And then the moment where I was sitting next to you in the 5K and my opponent was just destroying me, but I had a judge call and there was an altered null rod in my graveyard and I had to shield your eyes. (laughs) 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 I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Cover that up, please. Hello and welcome to Eternal Journals. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Phil Blackman. Phil, how's it going, man? Dude, what's up? We have a very special guest on the cast today. Tony Scaponi, I'm going to introduce you momentarily, but first, I want to give you the highlight that no other person in the legacy community has ever had, which is you are the only person to end the Swiss in first place with a surge node, surge node in your 75. Tony Scaponi, welcome to Eternal Dirtles. Hey guys, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Surge node, that is a, uh, it's a spicy one. I, I gotta give Killaby the, the credit though. That, that guy, I'll just shout someone else out immediately, but he, I, I had never seen that card until it popped up in, in his sideboard and it's like, yes, yes, that's exactly what we need. Because we have limited space, uh, for this episode, we'd be covering you with the card. What does that card do? Surge node. So it almost entirely is for Chalice. So it's a one-mana artifact that can be tutored off of Urza Saga, of course. Uh, comes into play with six counters. You can pay one, tap, and activate it to put a charge counter on a target um, artifact. And, of course, uh, Chalice... as it were. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's not for every single artifact that's out there. Like, I can't put... Like, Wishclaw, for instance, is a weird artifact. It has wish counters, so... Yeah. Not that it's really that relevant, but yeah, it, it messes around with Chalice. For anybody who's interested in Black Saga Storm, which we'll talk about a lot today because it's what you had great success with over SCG Baltimore weekend, if Surge Node as the answer to Chalice doesn't already blow enough people's minds, then uh, strap in. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Tony, uh, you played Black Saga Storm, a deck of your, uh, pretty much of your own devising. Uh, explain this deck to me like I'm five. Okay, so... <laughs> First and foremost, uh, it is a turbo ad nauseum deck. Uh, similar, of course, to something like the Epic Storm, uh, a touch uh, faster, but uh, at its core, primarily what we're trying to do is dump a bunch of fast mana out, Dark Rituals, all the Zero Drops, the Petals, Opals, Lion's Eye Diamonds, resolving an ad nauseum through, of course, the Black Tutors, and we have Protection uh in discard we have a ton of discard 10 discard spells um and we have the kind of alternate win con uh, of urza's saga that not only does it make tokens but it gets our lion's eye diamond it's kind of like a ticking time bomb right it's making tokens huge tokens where in a lot of respects very similar to eight cast right eight cast is a bunch of disruption urza's saga right we have a bunch of disruption urza's saga as well they have counter spells and chalice we have a bunch of discard. Um, they have some additional threats and kind of engines, and we have the looming threat of just Adnaz might just, oops, I win, right? Primarily, like I said, we are, we're trying to kill you real quick with Adnaz, uh, but we have the, you could call it a backup plan, but Urza is a huge And the, the, the win plans. condition is, is Tendrils? Of course, yes. Yeah. Yes, so we have a, a Tendrils in the main, uh, and we have a singleton burning wish that can also get tendrils. Okay. Well, that, now I have a lot better understanding of the deck for sure. <laughs> a storm deck. I don't think I said the word storm in that explanation. Mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> I think ad nauseum does a lot of that work. Yeah. Since you, the the basis of Black Saga Storm, can you tell me when when you had like this the first idea to devise? Because I, I feel like I knew you first for being the pioneer of the epic gamble. That was the, I, I just saw Ruby Storm sort of decks were just the thing that I saw you crushing with constantly on Twitch. 
like that was your thing. You would go, you would just crush challenges and top eight, all these things. And you were the, I feel like you were the only guy who consistently was doing that with that deck. And then you moved into this deck. Can you tell me where the genesis was of the idea to go from, I'm crushing with this red deck, and now I'm interested in building this black deck and then finding success with Black Saga Storm? Sure. I mean, uh, over the past few years, there have been so many cards that have been printed. And it's worth mentioning that there is still a ton of underexplored or just not explored stuff. That's why I continue to, if you watch my my YouTube, my Twitch, I'm always just brewing. Just there, there's so many powerful cards out there, powerful things. Granted, there are decks that exist that are already doing very highly optimized things. So if you're you're new to Storm, like when I first started building Ruby Storm, initially I was working towards the Epic Storm. Ruby Storm was kind of a cheaper, like in between. It was the most fun of the Storm decks that I saw. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna jam this, have some fun. I'm a spike, so I'm gonna optimize. And next thing I know, the deck is warping and changing into something completely different and then next thing i know i can i could see at a certain point there's a deck here whether it's almost as good as just as good as or better than what currently exists and for the longest time storm decks what you hadn't seen a new storm it was the epic storm and ad nauseum tendrils for 10 plus you know whatever it was so uh, that was exciting and through this process i've really dug into the discord community a lot of there's it's a huge community a lot of storm players um so there is no shortage of individuals that want to, you know, talk shop or whatever you want to call it with these decks. So at, at one point, someone had thrown me a deck tech, right? He threw me 10 bucks, he threw me a list, we sit there, we chat about it, and I try to refine it and, and have a little discussion about the list, and, and off we go. And an individual, uh, you can look back on my YouTube, because I wound up making a dono deck out of it, Control Stacks Delete is like his Discord name or Moto name, whatever. And he gave me a dono deck on what was, he wanted to combine mono black painter and storm he said painter and storm he gave me a few kind of like rough ideas couple of lists and said you know what what can you do with this and i had previously been working on trying to change because i don't think ad nauseum tendrils is like an optimal thing to be doing right and i was trying turbo i was calling it turbo ad nauseum just faster ad nauseum uh list dropping past in flames and cabal ritual and i was trying stuff like opal grim monolith just trying to you know, if you go, if you reduce the amount of colors you're playing, you can afford to play Soul Lands. You know, but they tap for two, not one, right? So right there, boom. I, I know, I always joke, like, I'm not sure Storm players, I think they missed the the uh, the memo that there are lands that tap for two, right? You get two yeah. mana on turn one from a land. And then on turn two, you get upwards of four. So, so I had all these uh, uh, brews just trying different color combinations, whether it be two color or down to mono color, you know, whatever it was. And I found mono black was the most efficient, um, but it lacked um, win cons. There's only so many black, reasonable black tutors. It's one of the major benefits of running red, so you can run Burning Wish or, you know, splashing blue so you can run cantrips. So you can kind of, the glue that holds the rest of the deck together with, with mono black, it had a bit of a shortage. So this painter combo was a way to supplement that action. Um, and in fooling around with that, Urza Saga was kind of a, a became a no-brainer. At first, it was like, oh, we can run two, we can run one. We, we were testing things around, and then it became abundantly clear pretty quickly just how powerful that was. Um, and eventually, we wound up dropping uh, the the painter, and just there was enough uh, action in Urza Saga, packed enough of a punch um, that there was there was enough to just make a deck without that that combo. That's Would you say that Urza Saga is probably one of the most powerful cards in Legacy at this point? It's got a lot in it, man. I mean, it's a land, right, that then makes two 
giant dudes, and then tutors for free. Tutors for free, right? Two like massively powerful things yeah. uh, in Magic, where it can replace itself. It can. I mean, Lions of Ammon is three mana. You tap that thing. When it pops off, it gives you four mana. Like when I'm counting my mana real quick. And I'm considering Saga on that third turn. I'm going four. I'm always starting with that card. It starts with a four. <laughs> Never mind the tokens. So I would agree. Yes, it's uh, it's up there uh, amongst the best of the best. How many games would you say that you win on the backs of those constructs versus the storm kill? It really depends on the day. I'd say on average, it's it's got to be close to to fifty fifty. You know, it oh wow, on okay. matchups, scenarios. But yeah, even if it's just Chipping in for a cool six, and then, hey, now your tendrils only, you know, they fetch twice, they get hit for six, and now you just need a tendrils for, you know, for six. I, I was going to ask about that, since the Urza Saga popping off at the end to get you uh, a diamond or an additional mana source, is, do you find that your storm count when you're tendrilsing tendrilsing somebody is average much lower than nine or ten? Average, no, but it's, it's every point can, can certainly count. And getting in even just one big hit with a construct can very well mean that. And is that something that you will typically, like, do you tabulate, okay, uh, going post-board into a matchup where I know I'm going to have time to make a construct, prioritizing attacking with a construct to equal three, two to three storm? Uh, it really depends. I mean, that's, mm. so it's it's one of the benefits of discard, right? I mean, we talk about how these days discard is losing equity over time with the card quality going up and not being able to discard the top of your opponent's deck and so on and so forth. But one of the benefits of discard is that you, you, it's proactive, right? So they could have five force of wells and one swords and you have two sagas and you say, okay, enjoy your force of wells. I'll just take your swords and beat you up. Whereas, or the other way around. So it really depends on the context of their hand and discard allows us to pivot accordingly. Speaking of the, the discard package that you're running, so you have 10 discard spells between 4 Duress, mm-hmm. 4 Thoughtseize, and 2 Cabal Therapy. Uh, the first thing when I saw that, the, the density of discard spells mm-hmm. was then the choice of 4 Mishra's Bobble and 2 Urza's Bobble. Did you, ha- oh, w- did you always start at 4 and 2, or did the Urza's Bobble numbers change because of the combination between Cabal Therapy or uh, the fact that this deck, uh, unlike a lot of other Mishra's Bobbles decks, doesn't have access to fetch lands to like clear the top of your deck? And like the other incidental synergies that come with each bubble. So I guess a couple of things to unpack there. I, just to answer high density of discard spells, right? Uh, I found that uh, in order to make discard work, you really need to mitigate the negative uh, things about it. And uh, it's, it's a paradox, right? You could argue that discard is not good anymore. You could argue the other way as well, as long as you leverage it uh, accordingly. And one of the things that uh, we do to leverage it um, appropriately, I guess is the better word, is by uh, overloading. Because one of the problems when your opponent has four or five cards that are all problematic cards, you need to continue to be able to volley discard spells. If your opponent has a card that's going to kill you on turn three, and they have double force, well, you can't get through their forces with your discard. Now you have to discard their thing that's going to kill you, and now you still have to deal with two force wills. So you need to have a very high-density of discard spells so that you can discard your opponent's plan uh, knowing that you're going to have, likely at least, going to have uh, more discard down the pipeline. And having a high density of discard and having uh, cards like Bobble that will show you the top of their deck, right, before you thought sees, so you can mitigate the 
effects of the you know so-called thoughtsies bug right if you see a thalia on the top of their deck you're not going to discard their thalia you'll go uh, a different route so these are things that that kind of help uh leverage uh discard um what was the other thing <laughs> oh, i was going to ask if no. you had started yeah. off of the 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 four two mishra's bubble urza's right. bubble did that did you start with that or did you come to that conclusion over a bunch of testing so we played uh different numbers uh one of the difficulties of course with mono black is that you don't have access to cantrips so you can't necessarily smooth out your draws as much um but what you do have is urza saga which when you don't have uh, a piece that you're missing right it's an abc deck mana disruption and action your tutors right so you tend to have two out of three and you're searching for one more if you're you know you draw into a bobble your saga becomes a bobble you're drawing it usually more than one card at least every other turn and you're digging through maybe another four, five, six cards than you otherwise wouldn't if you don't have bobbles. So bobble plays uh, an important role, not just in churning through your deck quicker and giving you information from discard like we talked about, but it's a zero drop, right? So it's good for Adnaz, your overall converted mana cost, um, as well as giving you metalcraft. So oftentimes a bobble is actually worth mana because it turns on your opal on the front side, allowing you to maybe cast your Wish Claw, which is an artifact. Now you can use your bobble, much like 8-cast, say, will hold out on their bobbles, play out their Thought Monitor, now they have more artifacts, then they cash in their bobbles, and get cards kind of on the back side. So it has use on the front side, and they can cash itself in to dig further uh, through their deck to just have a higher uh, velocity. We, at one point, were running 8, but it can get a bit excessive, uh, it is a deck that is very much reliant upon uh, accurately um, assessing openers. And the more redraws you have in your opener, they're ultimately just question marks. And obviously, the more question marks that you have in an opening hand, the more difficult it is to to assess what you uh, want to do with that hand accurately. The, uh, I see in the sideboard you have a package of four Leyline of the Void and then one Helm of Obedience. I imagine that the... Four Leyline on the Void obviously come in against the graveyard decks, and then you have the incidental way to also then leverage the fact that you've boarded in a plethora of cards to then combo them out that way. Do you ever move into that package against decks that just you know will be providing a lot of artifact hate in general? Um, or only for like the decks where you're already interested in boarding in Leyline? They don't really line up that way. There have been spot We have tested, like, maybe this is better against, say, Prison. Maybe the matchup is so bad that I'd like to have four mana worth of a combo in play from the get-go and just, you know, hope to draw the, you know, whatever it is, but playing more Helms in the board and just trying to cast them with Soul Lands. It, it doesn't really turn out that way. It's it's primarily for uh, the dedicated graveyard decks. For instance, I don't play them against Cephalid Breakfast. It's close. We tested it for a long time, but ultimately we do... Um, reduce the efficiency of our deck and our own plan when we move into that package uh we are mulliganing for it and it's really for the more dedicated graveyard decks uh reanimator oops all spells uh decks like that and it is incredibly potent i mean most storm decks have difficulty with uh reanimator and it's li- i didn't see it once by the way at the whole tournament which was very disappointing because it is almost their best matchup hmm it's um so we so we we bring those in obviously the ley lines come in the helm comes in the pier comes in 
most of those match up the the haywire might is coming in because if it's oops you you want to be able to kill leyline of sanctity and if it's uh reanimator you want to be able to kill serenity uh as soon as you get leyline out your your goal is to find saga make some constructs and then haywire might will shut the door uh, as long as they don't have like a turn one serenity it's pretty easy to close out the game but you're actually taking ad nauseum out because now you're bringing in a bunch of four drops um and you're taking burning wish out and you just take out a bunch of stuff that isn't um you want to leave in low resource bangers i, I would like to call them basically you're trying to find nerds mm-hmm. of saga because that's i mean if i if i was thinking of the best low resource card in maybe even magic for for christ's sake mm-hmm. sagas is is up there that's like Leyline, Saga, Ancient Tomb. That'll beat Reanimator eight out of ten times, four out of five times. Yeah, and the, the, just to like push that even further, looking at how many targets in the sideboard for Urza Saga, like Urza Saga not only being a four-mana combo piece, potentially, but also being something that can like get very specific charged interaction against potent matchups is also really, really relevant between... Um, for anybody that's looking at Tony Scamone's uh, decklist while watching this, he's got Which the Haywire Might. Yeah. yeah, he's got a Haywire Might, the Surge Node, Shadow Spear, Pithing Needle, all targets out of the board for the Urza Saga. So, uh, pretty cool stuff. Before we t- dive into uh, your performance in Baltimore, uh, one last thing I wanted to, to ask you about was the specific numbers between three Swamp, two Ancient Tomb, and one City of Traders. I feel like those are numbers that you get to after a lot of testing. Was it just that you found that these are the numbers that you were having the most success with? Or is that... I, I always wonder with the Urza Saga package, because I feel like you're the first deck that doesn't want as many lands and therefore doesn't run the full suite of Ancient Tombs alongside Urza Saga, that's, that's like very unique to Black Saga Storm. There's a lot of things to, to juggle, to weigh, and to consider, right? Uh, I mean, you nailed one of the most uh, challenging things is that, first off, we're a Storm deck, so we don't want a high land count to begin with. Uh, we're Infernal Tutor Storm deck, so even more so, we don't want a high land count. If you've ever played Ad Nauseam, you know this, the frustration of having an Infernal Tutor in your hand not have you know, and trying to find either Lion's Eye Diamond or just get the second land out of your hand so you can at least go Hellbent. So you you definitely want a low land count. Also, we're an ad nauseum deck, so Ancient Tomb it costs life, right? So another reason why we have to have a very low converted mana cost and run a bunch of bobbles is because we are hindering ourselves. So we have to have fairly reliable ad nauseums even from low life totals, which this deck has. Yeah, the mana base, it's it's tough because we only have so many lands to work with, So it's and they're very good lands. I mean, artifact lands are just absolutely necessary. They obviously pull a ton of weight between Mox Opal, your Constructs, just having initial uh, black sources, but you're competing with soul lands, which are like some of the most powerful lands it, that have been printed uh, in the game. Urza Saga... Uh, you need a certain number of basics to be able to deal with Collectoru. If those effects didn't exist, I, I I wouldn't be on three swamps. But two is certainly too few. I'd love to have four. I've played four, to, uh, you know, before. But there's only so much room. We can only play so many lands for it to be uh, effective. That's that's kind of what we came up with. The the city of traders is really important because when you're ad nauseing, uh, if you don't, oftentimes we're leaving ourselves a land drop for that card because we get two mana out of our land drop and we don't have to pay two life so that card is is absolutely huge sometimes i even will search it with uh wish claw as a plus one mana effect that doesn't 
can't be countered and doesn't pay life. So it's, uh, yes, and it is as a result of, you know, significant testing, grinding, you know, interacting with the community and other people testing, grinding and reporting back and, and the whole process that at this point a lot of us go through to optimize deck lists. Yeah, the Singleton City of Traders acting very much just like your mana crypt in Legacy. Pretty sweet. Like it feels like a dark ritual a lot of the time. Oh yeah, just to view it as a ritual effect as you're like in your mid combo turn. That's actually really interesting. What would you say over the course of the day, and then like you know, of course, just over the full meta? What were your best and worst matchups for for this deck? The the worst matchup I actually didn't play against once is is Prez, uh, Red Stompy, Moon Stompy, whatever you want to call it. I played against Boros Initiative once, which uh, is not you know a we don't. We aren't actively hoping that we play that matchup, but it is a lot better for us than the deck that's actually running Blood Moon and just overall a lot more uh, lock pieces. Uh, other than that, there aren't any like massively horrendous matchups. And it's partially part of the benefit of running discard is that you can win the die roll and even against some of your worst matchups, just discard the card that is a pain for you and they or you know they they your blue opponent kept a a brainstorm plus too much junk and you take their brainstorm and they don't do anything so it's i'm I'm right here tony please (laughs) (laughs) what's this brainstorm Um, card you guys talking about i play eight cast (laughs) i feel like uh, on average most decks have more Maybe much better and much wor- more variance in their in their matchup lottery or whatever you want to call it. Whereas Black Saga Storm tends to bring that down a little bit, you know, lower the the ceiling maybe a little bit, but raise the floor a lot too, um, which is great because it puts you in a lot of spots where you can, uh, as maybe a better player, just gain a lot more edges. Yeah, there's something to be said as well for a deck that most people are like not aware of, you know. <laughs> Did you get that a lot in Baltimore? Just people who just didn't know what you were doing until they were dead? Um, <laughs> no, actually. I, I mean, obviously I put enough, enough content out there uh, for a lot of people to, to know. I was surprised at how many people did uh, know, which was almost a, a little bit disappointing. I mean, I don't try to, you know, all my stuff is public. I put Tony Scaponi in my my name when we're you know into the melee melee, thing right my first round opponent she didn't know she i think this was like her first legacy event she's more of a modern player and this and that and uh after like the first game she was telling me she's like oh i love this deck i wanted to play this deck i saw it online and i I'm like, oh, that makes you feel really good. I made it. Yeah, you're like, I'm like, like, I'm like the guy. Yeah. that you probably saw me playing it. <laughs> Do you recognize? No, she didn't thing? even. No, I think she must have just saw a list online or something because she yeah. she told she had no idea. She was totally innocent about it, and I was like, oh, okay, this is good. Maybe people won't. And then, like, I you know, I think it was third or fourth round. Boros initiative. They win the die roll. He plays Chalice on Zero in the blind and says, I'm sorry, Tony. I'm like, it's I'm used to it at this yeah. point. Don't worry. Before we go yeah. too much further on, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, uh, Moxfield.com. Uh, Moxfield is a deck building website. They're basically just the best deck building website in, in the magic sphere. Uh, you can go to www.moxfield.com and check them out. Uh, links are below, all that stuff. 
yeah, you'll be able to go, you'll be able to find all of the blue decks that I play where uh, I sit down against Tony and he strips the brainstorm out of my hand and then I die <laughs> to uh, the constructs. So check out Moxfield. Uh, nice nice terminus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sweet. sweet. You can keep that. <laughs> Too terminus and intrigued as I'm just getting beat down by a contract. The story of my life. And so let's talk about Baltimore. That's what I want to know. You had a, a, a very successful weekend. You made it to the top four of the 10K, the main event uh, of the legacy event there. Uh, before you just give us the rundown of like what your matchups were and uh, any sweet plays that you made and any surprising uh, matchups that you had. Uh, when you go into an event like that with all the practice that you've had, is there a deck that you're like, man, I would love to run into this deck five times, six times. This would be great. Reanimator. I didn't see it once. Mm. <laughs> it I, was... I, I saw it only one time on the weekend, too. But, yeah, I didn't see no, a lot of Grizzlebrand in the room. There there were a lot. There were... My round one opponent was, was Reanimator, yeah. I think there were 20, which is oh, wow. a, a fair amount for a single uh, archetype. But I'd say generally speaking right now, or not just say, but I've seen from the numbers and specifically from Baltimore, the met, there's just so many different decks and people are actually willing to, to jump in and, and play them too and bring them to an event like Baltimore. So that's, I mean, that's really a, a cool thing to see with Legacy. You yeah, it seems like the meta is, is wide open right now. There's like a lot, there's a lot of experimentation and uh, there's no like one deck that like everyone must play. I feel as though it has probably been that way uh, for longer. Perception certainly plays a part. Uh, and when the perception is such that Delver is not uh, the best deck anymore, whether or not it is perception being that way, people are going to start digging into other decks. And I think we're only going to see that more and more uh, uh, over time because it takes time to, to master these decks. So if you have a, a year or two period where the perception is the way it is now, you're going to see people mastering these these other decks that... I mean, if they had just done it maybe a year or so ago, they probably could have been in the same spot. But it's it's still nice to see that. I think the problem becomes, and I'll, we'll we'll stop it. I don't want to dig into it. this is a big topic. But the problem becomes when when Wizards prints another thing that then slots into you know, and then here we go again. Now Delver's the best again, and now I mean, you know, maybe she was band days and you know, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa! We've never heard, we've never talked about this. <laughs> link above, link above for the band days episode. <laughs> but yeah, maybe, maybe we'll come back to that if we, if we have time. We could fill the rest of the episode on, on yeah. that conversation. We have filled several episodes on that conversation for sure. <laughs> I think we'll just... I think there's still space. I think there's still room. I think we got some room to talk about that. <laughs> I, yeah, but we'll enjoy it while we have it now, right? The this this period of time and it'll be probably referred to as another golden age you know however long this this lasts i mean well we've we've so far we've thus far survived the addition of one set since those bannings and it doesn't seem like anything too horrendously broken has come out of it but uh there are some cards that are playable have you seen any uh cards from lord of the rings that you are thinking about as things that can combat black saga storm or that you would include in black saga storm is there anything that you're keen to, to test now that the cards are going to be more available on Moto. The only card that would really come to mind for me is Bowmaster. Am I worried about it with Black Saga Storm? No. Uh, would I include it in Black Saga Storm? Probably also no. Um, but it's not like those either of those things are landslides. 
it would be a reasonable card to play. It just doesn't exactly check all the boxes. It doesn't kill Collector, right? So I immediately I I'm not really gonna want it. Um, unless it, unless the collector attacks in, right? Then then you could get him. Sure. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, you can make a. Yeah, that makes sense. You, yeah, you slam it down, shoot it, and then block it with the uh, the army. We do have to pay for a two drop, though. And yeah, this is true. Part of the issue, obviously, with collector is that it does tie up a lot of our mana. So two drop is is hard to. Plus, they have to not be able to kill one of them, and then we're we'll probably just get blown out by a removal spell. I, but I didn't even think of that. It's certainly worth it. It makes it even more reasonable. But yeah, we don't draw a lot of cards. Like, we... Like, not all at once. You know, we're not... We're not the Epic Gamble. We're not echoing a bunch. And um, Ad Nauseam doesn't draw cards to begin with, so it's not it, really it punishing them over, that, and then it just puts them in the hand. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, that's the only thing. Nothing else really comes comes to mind to me, which is nice. You know, it's nice to have just, just chill out on a set, you know. Maybe just let us play for a little let's bit. Have, let's have a nice, yeah. Let's have a, let's everybody play fair for a little while and just see what happens, you know. Like you, you can slot some some weirdo cards in, but like nothing's gonna ruin the format, which is kind of I think that's where everybody likes likes a new set to be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think we we. It's funny we complained for years, like oh, you never give us cards, and it's just like whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. <laughs> We didn't yeah, the, the, the monkey cards. paws all curl at once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I equate that to how I felt about like punk rock culture when I was in high school into like my twenties when like everybody was just like, yeah, I'm a big Blink One Eighty Two fan, and like you know, like you'd see all these people dressing like emo and stuff like that, and you're like, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't you know, or the Marvel movies is a classic example. I was a giant comic nerd, and I was like. There's okay, I just want like people to like comic books, and then these came out, and I was like, "This isn't what I was looking for, really." <laughs> like, you know, now we're getting all the legacy cards uh, printed at the same time. Never meet Love your heroes, it. boys. Never meet your heroes. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tony, tell us. I, I know that you have four removal spells on the sideboard between uh, a single ten feet of the swarm and three fatal push, uh, presumably to target the Archon of Amirias and the Collector Roofs and the Thalias of the world. But were there any other significant cards that might not spring to mind for people who are would maybe approach Black Saga Storm that they should be on the lookout for as like things to be very high on your radar for like targets for uh, yeah like and... essentially like the things that you are when you sit down across the table like the main cards that you fear your opponent casting against you uh, Chalice of the Void no rod effects and taxing effects I mean we don't see too much death and taxes. You know, I'd say Talia, but you don't really see it all that much. It's mostly Collector Roof and Chalice of the Void. Those are, like, the primary things. I mean, a lot of the Chalice decks, you're going to... Force of Will, obviously. Um, but a lot of the Chalice decks, you're going to see maybe something like Trinisphere. Or de depending on what flavor, there's some other accompanying uh, annoying things. You know, maybe painters playing thorn of amethyst or you know stuff like that but we always have the sidestep of urza saga and just making huge constructs we're not like can't no rod those no <laughs> we're yeah i mean ancient tomb saga it doesn't matter i don't need to tap any other that's all i need yeah. <laughs> i can just play my my artifacts i want zero. these artifacts on the board i'm not going to sacrifice them yeah right um, we're not like, you know, when you talk about Urza Saga as a backup plan, you usually think of something like Breakfast or, um, 
you know, that aren't making huge tokens that just, it's kind of just this incidental, well, we also have these tokens and if the opponent doesn't really have much every now and then we're just going to steal a game. No, 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 no. We have just as many artifacts as, as eight cast. We're making massive tokens. 8-8 come down, yeah. And it, we're winning a ton of games with tokens because it's not just tokens, it's also a volley of discard spells. So we'll do something along the lines of like Chromox imprint, play a saga, play a wish claw, there's a, a tutor in play, Opal discard you. And it's like I'm being discarded, you just put a wish claw into play, and there's a saga on turn one that's going to be active turn two with massive dudes. It's like how do I deal with all of this at once? And that's kind of like a, a mid um like a mid-range uh, uh, typical uh, like opener of ours. Very powerful, but we're not like ad nauseing right off the bat. We're just presenting multiple and big problems that are going to kill you very soon if you don't do something very specific to stop uh, either or both of them. We have a few more. Uh, we have a few more questions for you, but um, while while we have everybody's attention, uh, if you get a chance and you're enjoying this content, give it a give it a quick like, subscribe, comment, uh, ask us questions. We'll relay them to Tony. For sure. One of the the things that uh, the discussion of like multiple uh, different plans presenting themselves in a single turn like that. I don't know where it uh, he said it, but I always ascribe the quote to Magnus Carlson, world chess or former world chess champion. Who said the best plays that you can make are the ones that do two different things at the same time? And I see that no more with any other card in Legacy than Urza Saga. Like very particularly, like it does exactly that. It's just like every time it comes down, it always presents multiple things that now your opponent has to deal with, and it just stretches the resources so thin. And yeah, I mean the the compounding of that through the the plethora of discard spells that you play, it's like. I mean, this discussion is like opening my mind up a little bit. I've never actually played against Black Saga Storm, uh, whether it be online or in person. Like, I've never, I've, I've seen you play it a ton, but I've never, never actually experienced it across the table and the pressures that it puts you under. And that, that sequence that you just laid out. I mean, I'm the terminus guy. I can, I can clean up constructs, but that line scares the shit out of me. Like, right. I don't want to sit across from that. You know, <laughs> I'll burn a pedal sometimes. Like, pedal duress. Saga, I have an Ancient Tomb in, in my hand. That's four cards. And that alone could just win a game. Would, given that you have, like, you know, what, quarter of a million reps with this deck, if somebody else were to pick it up, how much uh, time would you think they should spend uh, getting their reps in, uh, practicing against different matchups before actually taking it into a, a paper event and expecting to find success like you did? It really depends uh, whether or not you've played Storm. Um, in terms of Storm decks, it's a bit easier um, to pilot until you start getting into the, like, the, uh, the more higher level plays, uh, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, but initially, and to have a reasonable amount of success, the fact that you have 10 discard spells to work with, and you have Urza Saga just winning you so many games, it's like it has two crutches. It's like mm. you got you know you got two and you're gonna walk uh, just fine. Uh, most of the time, you're either doing that um, or you're just counting how much mana it takes to cast that nauseam, you know. Um, but there are much more convoluted lines that that do come up, and when you 
when you factor in things like um, Mox Opal, it can really complicate things, especially when you have Infernal Tutors in your hand, and those can count as mana as long as they can copy a Lion's Eye Diamond. But if you use the mana up front for your Infernal Tutor to copy your Lion's Eye Diamond, well, now you don't have mana up front to cast the other Tutor to actually get you where you want to go. Or you have to play Wishclaw Talisman out to give your Mox Opal metalcraft but then you don't have them you know it's it's a lot of like playing around with the uh it's not just total mana but color requirements sometimes with burning wish and mana on the front and back side i like to say whether it be regular mana or mana tied up in lines of diamonds because you could have three lines of diamonds okay i have nine mana but it's i can't use that until i say get my wish claw on board or you know whatever it is and it's worth mentioning Infernal Tutor, uh, I know we spoke a little bit initially or earlier about the difficulties with getting Hellbent with Infernal Tutor, and Infernal Tutor can copy Urza Sagas. So what it does is it gives us even more Urza Sagas and gives us something to do with our Infernal Tutors when they're kind of stuck in our hand. Oh, that's interesting, actually, yeah. I had, let me just describe to you one scenario in a match that I Oh, wow. Because I beat, this was uh, Bosch and Roll's uh, friend that was uh, with us in our hotel room guy's name is uh, robbie awesome dude he's playing uh kind of dungeon stompy right main deck chancellor of the annex karn archon of amiria chalice of the void he loves seeing this stuff oh my god (laughs) (laughs) i i win the die roll it's like okay for step one of having any chance in, in winning this this match he opens with a with a chancellor of the annex right so i play an artifact land I play an Urza's Bobble and pay for the tax. I play uh, a Mox Opal, right? Now I have one mana. I play Dark Ritual. I use one to cast a Cabal Therapy. I name Karn, because that's the card I lose to, hoping he doesn't have Archon. Actually hoping he has Karn in this scenario. I think the one time I'm going to sit there hoping my opponent has Karn. He doesn't. He has Archon, which is like, you know, I roll, but it's okay. I don't lose to that card. With this hand, because the two remaining cards I had was Saga and uh, Infernal Tutor. So with my two remaining mana, I cast the Infernal Tutor, and the rest of my hand was Saga Saga. So I was left with two permanent mana sources and double Saga. And they just, your Archon is a 2-3. You know, know, that's a, a revelation of like how to use, I mean, I feel like Infernal Tutor has been around for as long as I've been playing the game that I can remember, and it's been in Storm decks forever, but I've never thought about it getting a copy of a land before. Like, that's just never a line that I've considered before with the card, because that's just like, I've seen it get LEDs, I've seen it get additional rituals, obviously I've seen it get the thing that's going to kill me, but I've never thought about it getting another land. That's they, really They love each other, because Infernal yeah. Tutor loves copying Urza Saga, and Urza Saga loves getting lines of diamond to make your Infernal Tutor really good. And Urza Saga also loves additional copies of Urza Saga. Tony, we couldn't have you leave without telling us about your uh, top eight uh, match against Bosch and me. Oh, yes. So, Bosch was on breakfast, which I played once uh, in 1-2-0. And the day before in a trial, I played against it in 1-2-0 as well. Uh, not to say it's some landslide of a matchup. It's a really good deck. We're both doing a very similar thing. We both have a very compact, uh, lethal combo, uh, with 
plan Bs and with a ton of disruption. I have a bunch of discard, they have a little bit of discard, and a bunch of counters. So it's a game of magic, right? I'm on the play. Let's see. Game one came down to... I discarded I discarded him. He had two ponders and an Orm's Chant. Of course, I have to take the Orm's Chant. I have no more discard. I, had, I opened up a hand that was... Um, very aggressive, had a turn two Adnaz. I believe it was a turn one as well, but I opted to discard. It wasn't protected. There wasn't enough mana to do both. Um, so I take his arms chant, he ponders, and he keeps. Now, I know, and I know, by the way, that he knows, that there are many cards that he keeps that aren't forcible, that he is just priced into keeping in that spot. And it's kind of the position that Breakfast puts a deck like I'm playing in, where I can't just assume he has Force of Will, or gets Force of Will. Besides the fact that I don't have more discard, I don't have multiple, I had a bunch of mana in one tutor, you know, that's my spot, uh, I gotta go for it. Because if I don't, what, I'm just hoping I draw a discard spell? I have a lot, but that's pretty loose. That gives him another turn, another ponder, and by the way, he has all these cards that just kill me. Uh, in Orm's Chant, which is, oh my god, it's a brutal card. So, I take my spot, and he did, we talked about it afterwards, he, you know, he, he's like, I win a lot of games off of Ponder Keeping, not a Force of Will, and winning because my opponent just assumes that I drew Force of Will, yeah. and waits around too long. He's like, I'm really glad I just actually found the Force of Will. <laughs> he's like, because I know that you know that, and you're going to make the smarter play and go for it, so I, I'm happy that I just had got the Force Will and, yeah. and got there. So that was that game. And then game two was the game that uh, I probably would have, or I probably had the lowest chance of actually winning. I had a turn one unprotected. Um, and again, uh, there are many non-force hands that he keeps. I have a better chance going for that than I do mulliganing or waiting around. It was literally a bunch of mana and a Wishclaw Talisman. So I start casting all my mana. Uh, I cast Wishclaw Talisman with, I think, two cards left in hand, Alliance of Diamond and, and something else. He forces the Wishclaw, which was so much better for me than him waiting all the way. I really have to put it under a mic microscope where we were in that sequence to comment as to you know whether it was appropriate to counter it. I, I don't know. But I just know that I was happy. I wasn't happy that he had Force of Will, but I was happy that he countered the Wish Clock, because we can at least still play. So it passes to him, he doesn't make a land drop. So I know exactly what hand he has. And it probably has a second Force of Will, because you don't keep a no-lander with one Force of Will. And it did. He had, he had a double Force hand. He doesn't draw land for like five or six turns. I think even further. And uh, I didn't draw like anything either. So we just kind of looked at each other for a bunch of turns. I think I... I had some mana, and every now and then fired off a discard spell, but I wasn't finding any action. And um, so eventually, he does find a land. I think he does some some cantripping, but ultimately, I wind up finding um, a tutor and have one more duress and go off and add nos and kill him. So I didn't think the game that I was going to win was going to be the one that I went all in turn one and got Force of Will, and he had another Force of Will. But that's how that game went. So, you know, during that during that game, I was like, oh, I, you know, I'm out. He's he's got me. And then, you know, pull it off. And all right, we get a chance here. 
let's see, game three, game three. <laughs> so much of it is is such a blur. Yeah, I mean, this is round ten for you at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's a lot of magic in one day. It's a ton of magic, and I so I hardly got any sleep the first night there because we drove. You know, I get out of work late. We drove late through the night. Stopped off at the hotel. Drove some more in the morning. Hardly any sleep, and then. I brought an air mattress because there were four of us in a hotel room. And I was like, oh, I get this nice king size. This thing's sweet. It had a slow leak that I didn't know halfway through the night. The thing was halfway deflated. So I woke up at like 4.30 a.m. being smothered by an air mattress. Yep. So two (laughs) nights in a row before the event, like not great sleep, um, which is not the way. I'm I'm usually pretty good about like I've played long enough where like I know how important that is. So just unfortunate circumstances. But um, I wound up in a similar spot where I I had to go for it and he he had the force of will it is basically what it came down to. I think I had discarded him, but um, and actually if you go to Bosch's YouTube he put a he he did a recap and watching it he was pretty there were some inaccuracies, just like I'm sure today I'm gonna misremember, you know, I can only remember so much, but it was a similar similar scenario in which I, I had a window. Oh, huh. now I know. Now I know. Oh, yeah, there we go. All right. Oh, I got. Uh, so I, I opened up a hand, three discard spells, right? And a black source, but no, no like petal or chrome mox or anything to double discard them. Um, but I had, I had multiple discard spells. I had some action and I think I had another land drop. And I was like, as long as this discard spells, throws them off enough on turn one that gets me to the next turn to discard again. I can start deploying it's like wish claws and a very like slow and steady um, kind of reliable uh, hand, but nothing like above average. Right. So I discard him. Uh, he forces it. So that means he's, he has an orange chant or he's protecting a one, two combo and looking at my hand. I'm like, well, I don't, I'm probably not fast enough to beat his one, two, um, but I think I had, no, I had a pithing needle. So if I got to my turn, I could, I could drop a pithing needle, at least stop half of his combo. So Orm Shant was the thing that I was worried about most. So I discard, he forces me. He was on the, he was on the play. So he played a saga. He played a saga and passed. I go to discard, he forces it. He goes to his turn. He plays a colored land. He passes. I go, great. I'm getting Orm's chanted into kill you. And that's exactly what he did. I didn't get that second turn of discard. Uh, even if I just had like a pedal to be able to double discard him, that would have been uh, much better. But he he had a, a nutty hand. To have uh, a turn three with force and Orm's chant backup is, it's good. It's good. I cards. have hands that yeah. can compete with it, obviously, but he his hand was definitely well above average and mine was, was just average, but I couldn't, couldn't really throw it back, you know. Live by and the saga, would... die by the saga. Yeah. Yeah. And you were the one seat in that in that scenario. Uh, you you had an amazing run on the day. You, you were you were eight one going into out of, out of the Swiss, and then I was. And I, I lost my round two as well, so I went from one and one to to eight one. Just dream I, uh, crushing all the way in. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> it's funny because people ask me like, "Oh, what did you lose to?" And every time I had the same answer initially, just kind of going. Uh, just like kind of embarrassingly like do i have to tell you <laughs> i lost to naya punishing maverick yeah 
No blue cards in that. So deck, apparently. This, this, this entire episode, by the way, uh, now that it's revealed, was a commercial for punishing Nia Maverick. So uh, pick up, pick up your grubs, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, to his credit, excellent player. Uh, I played against them online so much. They were in the top eight, by the way. Harry Hackett. Uh, he's Harry one two three or Harry three two is something like that on Moto. So I thought he was playing like hot band or some sort of control. I could have sworn I saw him at one of my tables casting an Uro at some point. And when we started playing and he said, I'm Harry, whatever on Moto, for whatever reason that confirmed it for me. You know, when you play Moto, some people, you know what they're playing. Some you don't, some you think, you know, and then you start playing and you're like, I don't know why I thought they played. I don't know why I thought he played control, but once he told me his Moto name, it confirmed that he was, playing a deck that he was not playing. So I had a hand of uh, Duress and Saga, and uh, my Saga got Wastelanded, and my Duress didn't do anything, and I drew two more Duress. So. And it's against any deck in Legacy. It's not easy to win two post-board games. So. But I'm glad he made it in, uh, in top eight. He's, he's a solid player. Yeah, your, uh, you, uh, your winning record, winning out, uh, helped his breakers getting in there, huh? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, he, he gets you in round two, and then you just... You know, carry them on your shoulders all the way to the top eight. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but I will say, generally speaking, I, I took a snapshot of like the people I played against here. Generally speaking, I didn't have a ton of like free wins, and this deck gives you a lot of free wins. Like you know, sometimes you open up a, a discard plus Adnaz, like a protected turn one. Uh, a lot of times you're discarding turn one and Adnaz in turn two, but I just. The, the way magic can be so random, you know, some, some days this happens and some days you pay, play another 10 matches and something completely different happens. And I felt like every match was like, I had to earn it, man. Like I, I really had to, had to earn it. They were insane. I don't get me wrong. I got lucky in a handful of spots as one pretty much must in a tournament this, this long. Um, but a lot of it was just having to play really tight or, outplay the opponent or um you know sometimes an opponent making a mistake uh that sort of thing so it's uh it was not an easy tournament <laughs> it was there were so many matches where i finished and i was like you know just like looking at my buddy thank god did you see that that was insane how did i get past that but yeah it was i mean uh, to run through it, through it real quick i played eight cast uh in the the first round that was against that that woman who, you know, wanted to play uh, Black Saga Storm. Uh, she was pretty cool. And then I lost the, the the Maverick matchup. I played against the Tempo Doomsday deck. Pretty much like, I mean, it's an okay matchup. It's a game. It's another one of those. They have a compact combo. They have a lot of disruption. It's a game of magic, right? But since they were on the Tempo, you know, just a lot of like Baleful Strix and, and not as much of the combo. It was fair. That was fairly easy to. Uh, I just felt like I was a step ahead, like the whole time, basically. Um, I played against Jay Wojciechowski. I don't know how to say his last name, but he won the previous Eternal Weekend. Oh, Gilbert. Yes, yes. Good player, obviously. There was a point where I could have won, but he had a petty theft in hand, and in the event that he saw the line of bouncing any one of my permanents when I have Infernal Tutor on the stack. So they have to be held then, otherwise it just copies the card in your hand. Oh. Uh, had he saw it, I would have lost, so I had to wait until I could discard it, wound up drawing Cabal Therapy, 
And afterwards, he was like, why did you name Brazen Barrer with, with the ball therapy? And then I told him, he's like, oh, crap, I wasn't even thinking of that. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, yeah. you probably would have gotten I away with not, that. Yeah. I was like, well, I wasn't going to bank on the previous you know, <laughs> winner of the yeah. large event to just miss it. And funny enough, the next day in the 5K, I played against uh, another Grixis Delver player. And I was in a spot where I had no uh, choice but to play into it. And I give him credit because he figured it out on the spot. Like he, he clearly was like either newer to Legacy or whatever it was because he, he kind of paused, he waited thought for a little bit and then asked if he could read Infernal Tutor. I was like, oh no. <laughs> like, oh, no, you can't. What do you need it for? Shoot. What do you need it for? Why? Yeah, go get the Oracle text. I don't what, know. Yeah. what do you need it for? Use your phone, please. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he bounced the Chrome box and <laughs> I was like, nice, man. You saw it. You got it. I'm, I'm yep. done. <laughs> Bouncing the Chrome box for that extra value, too, so that whatever <laughs> card you get, you have to discard Put yeah. the Chromox back into play. I think I even had two Chromox in play, so insult to injury. I couldn't even oh, get a yeah. second Chromox. Oh, uh, rough. Um, and then I played against Boros Initiative. This this was the match where, where he won the die roll, played a Chalice on Zero, and apologized for it. Yeah. But that 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 match was absolutely insane. I was under so many lock pieces and wound up like pulling out of it by Surge Node, just MVP. You know, like having to to cast some spells first and then surge node and then be able to cat and then getting haywire might through so that I could blow up another one of its. Cha- I had to play through two chalices and change, you know what I mean? And like, just thread the needle. It was, it was insane. That match and was insane. Surge well, node but, being very cool that you can, it, it, it can pick off all of the, if you, once you have it, you can pick off all of the chalices. It's just like the sweetest tech there is. I had the pleasure of, uh, surge noting my eight cast opponents chalice to three, at which point she uh, accidentally rammed a sigh into it, yeah. uh, and then she she had one draw. It had to be force of will. Couldn't be force of negation because chalice was on three, and I went for it, and she showed me the force of negation. <laughs> uh, MVP satisfying. Yeah. Very satisfying. Yeah, yeah. three is the score. worst number it can be on for, for eight cast for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's see, I played against Death and Taxes, Yorian Taxes, uh, Saga, just MVP. I two owed, just beat them up with massive construct tokens both times. They had me covered on the combo side. Uh, there was a deafening silence in the in the second game, I believe. Um, there was Thalia on turn two in both games, and they just didn't have I think if you have Stoneforge and Cauldra, that's very good against Constructs, but they yeah. they couldn't put it together and just got beat up by humongous tokens. So that was that was pretty sweet. And again, um, you also have hay, you have the Haywire Might to deal with the Cauldra if it ever got to that too. Yes. Yep. Uh, yeah. In post board games, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I played against Mono White, Robbie, uh, Brian's friend. I, I described to you that one game that we played there. He got the, the second game when he was on the play, and then I wound up uh, picking up the third game. But as you can imagine, Urza Saga played a huge role in that matchup. Um, and that's the reason why I know I said earlier that uh, Red Prison is our worst, because the one, the biggest way that we can pivot, they have covered with Blood Moon. So yeah. we have to yeah, yeah. just kind of, you know, mold to a fast hand, hope they don't, hope they have a Blood Moon and not Urlock pieces, or. Molta Saga and just hope they don't have a Blood Moon and hope they're reliant on 
I mean, every now and then it works out, but for the most part, that that matchup is is pretty abysmal. Um, and then I played against Is it Delver? Who's it? Benjamin Chen. I believe he's like around '90s MTG uh, area playing against like Reed Duke and stuff. A good player, really close matches. The one that I lost, I got melted down twice. Um, and then still had a chance. I had an Adnos from four that I was one mana off, uh, winning. If I'd hit even a land, actually, or Petal, Opal, I think at that point maybe Chrome Mox, uh, but couldn't get there, which was fine because I won game three, which was also, uh, very close. But as Delver tends to be, just guy control. Oh, so this was my winning end. I got lucky. I got real lucky. My opponent forgot that they had treasures from having wheeled me with a whole creature oh. in play. So they, they tilted themselves because they had forgotten, right? And they, so I had, I had two lethal constructs. They were both six sixes. He was at 12. He slams it to Ferry, plays a prismatic vista, fetches his prismatic vista before even, I think, using the Teferi. Cause it was one of those, like, I'm doing these two things. Doesn't matter what order. I'm just going to slam my, my things down. He goes to fetch, and then goes wait, and he wants to undo it. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure you can, but let's ask a judge because he did play the, you know, just the way it happened. And judge lets him take it back, but then he's sitting there and he's like, basically like hitting himself over the head because apparently he had meltdown, right? But he boarded his mountain out, and his vista obviously couldn't get mountain. And he didn't have a different land, and he already played the Teferi. You know, it was way too late for that, so he couldn't. So he was all upset about that, and you know, wound up bouncing one of my things. Now it's a five-five. He's at six, um, but he can't fetch his his Vista. Or no, he did play a different land, but it wasn't a fetch land that could get him a red source. So he had to ponder with it. I think he shuffled it, and you know, the whole time he's he's you know upset about it. But he wheeled me with a, with a whole breacher. Yeah, he's got the mana. He just doesn't realize it. And right, and he didn't yeah. put any. He didn't put any dice out or anything. Oh, oh wait, was, he was, he was even didn't put treasures on the table at all. To the point where, initially during the sequence, I had forgotten because yeah. he he was he was selling it so hard on how upset he was about the the Fetchland thing. I was like emotionally like with him yeah. in that moment. This is a winning in this is game three. Like this is for the you know and. At a certain point, when the judge was coming over and everything, because there were a couple dice there, but they were on like random numbers, they were kind of off to the side, kind of on the. It definitely wasn't for the for the treasures, but that made me like realize, like, oh shit, he's supposed to have treasures. Yeah, he doesn't realize it. Yeah, and then I wound up drawing a petal, which was a lethal petal. I think he had a force, but he would have to pay one life anyways and still get hit for five exaxes. Yeah, so I won that. I one of the games he just destroyed me with with the whole uh, whole breacher thing. It basically felt like show and tell. You know what I mean? Counter a couple things, play Narset to get his cards back, play Teferi, and then in my draw step, take all my shit and and draw seven cards. During that moment where he is kicking himself for messing up, did you realize while that was going on that he didn't have the treasures, or like, did at any point did he? realized that he had the treasures like nope. you're attacking for lethal and he's like oh like i'm supposed to or did he just not even nope. recognize it until the game was I, over he didn't not even that not even he, then oh, so okay. 
he was he was really upset, but first of all, extremely good player. Like mm. terrifying how good this dude was. He was playing your kind of magic, blue white control, right? Or Jeskai, I guess, with the Mountain Province and Pyroblast meltdown, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but just playing it, the pace that this guy was playing it, with the amount of cantrips and decisions and extremely tight player. Um, but, you know, tensions get high. You've been playing for a while. You, you know, you get tilted about one thing and then all of a sudden your mind is, you know, uh, wherever it is. Um, I will give him a lot of credit, though. He still even, at the, you know, said well played, good luck in, in top eight. But then obviously he he left pretty quickly upset with, with his own performance. Um, you know, hands on his head, that that sort of thing. So it, at no point for me did he realize it at the table, maybe after the fact. Right now he's listening to the cast like, and he's like, oh God. <laughs> I know, I know. But I, that's one of the reasons I did want to mention like extremely, I, I it was intimidating to, to me how how quickly and efficiently uh, this dude w- was playing. When he crushed me that one game, I was like, I just felt like that's what was going to happen again. <laughs> I was like, yeah. please don't do that to me again. That was uh, that was um, traumatizing, I guess and, is the way to put it. That's also the, the example of like when you go deep in a tournament like that. I mean, if you're playing uh, a Jeskai control deck of that uh, or any of its ilk, making a ton of decisions over the day, it's not like in Moto, where Moto will give you prompts and stuff and do a lot of right. that work for you. Like right. the, pa- the 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 reps in paper do matter. Like yeah. they matter. We were a lot. talking uh, with that about uh, about uh, we were talking about that with Bosch. Yeah, I told him uh, before he left. I did. I looked him right in the eye and I said, "Dude, I I don't know how you go through an entire tournament playing a deck like this. I would not be able to do it. Like you played you played really well because I think other than that one, obviously major, but slip up." Uh, uh, well, and then first round of the top eight is the the one match that uh, has gone unmentioned, which was against one of my locals, uh, Ken, who is he's always at the top tables. This dude is a very good player. He's playing on uh, Painter, Red Painter. Uh, unfortunately, I'm the first seed, get to go first, and I turn one to him. Um, and then game two is a bit more grindy. Bowmaster was in play. I did see Bowmaster a couple yeah. of times. It didn't really matter for me, but... Yeah, I wound up taking that one down, and then Bosch, he got me. That son of a bitch, he got. He'll do that. He'll do that. <laughs> one minute yeah. time walks are good. One yeah, minute yeah. time walks are good. <laughs> well, turns out he he uh, he knows how to play magic. I told him. I said, "Listen, at this point, you're you're too big. All right, you're the villain. I'm the hero. <laughs> yeah. you know, we could have told yeah. a much cooler story, yeah. man. Come on, I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well." Well, yeah, Tony, uh, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, and uh, it, was, it was a pleasure hanging out and talking with you and just running down the tournament and, and your thoughts about the deck and learning about Black Saga Storm. Uh, we really appreciate it. Please let everybody know where they can find you. Yes. Likewise, this is thanks for having me on. Uh, you guys do a cool thing here with the, with the podcast and everything. So it, the best place to find me is on my YouTube, Twitch. Uh, I'm always in the Storm Discord. Uh, but you can you can message me there. Um, we'll collect all these links and put them below, so you can click on them. Yeah, Tony yeah. Scaponi uh, across all platforms. Yes, it's it's all Tony Scaponi. So T O N Y S C A P O N E. It's all one word. Uh, I do have a Patreon as well that I just started a couple months ago. So if you're looking to get in uh, into one of these decks a bit more seriously in terms of sideboard guide, uh, always up to date lists, you know, early access to videos, that sort of thing. 
Um, but the Discord is probably the best place for that because we we just we talk about this stuff, you know, probably too much. Yeah. You know. All right. Well, thanks so much, man. Have a great one. Thanks for having me. You too.